podcaster, I hardly know her. (laughs) Welcome to the I Hardly Know Her podcast, hosted by me, Megan McCaleb. If there's one thing I've learned in this life, it's that I still have a lot to learn. This podcast is your invitation to expand your understanding on all sorts of topics and shake things up a little bit. Listen in and learn something new from the stories, professional insights, and a wide range of expertise shared by me and my incredible guests. And remember, my friends, you don't have to be a big deal to do big things. Well, hello there, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the I Hardly Know Her podcast. I'm your host, Megan McCaleb. Uh, and I'm excited to bring to you another uh, comrade in the art form of improv. Um, we've also got Jeanette uh, in the background doing her production magic. And I am I always get like giddy when I have people that are in improv space only because, uh, well, you all know I'm obsessed with it. And also it helps me to continue to deepen my relationship with these principles and all the different things um, that exist in our world and how we can connect with rules of, of improv and the different applications. And uh, I selfishly like to continue to learn and grow myself. So there you have it. Um, and today's guest uh, was also recruited by Jeanette. Um, I'm so excited about the cool people that she's been bringing in lately. And I think that you guys are really going to enjoy enjoy what we have for you today. Will is the director of improvisation at Florida Studio Theater, the director of Big Bang Improv, and serves as the artistic director emeritus of Improv Boston. He's the co-creator of Healing Moments for Alzheimer's, a nonprofit organization that provides education, advocacy, and ministry for persons with dementia and their caregivers. There's a lot of other really great goodies in his bio, so make sure you check out our show notes as well as some of the links to be able to connect with Will Luera. And I want to just give a warm welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here with us today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What's up, Will? Oh, you're muted. There we go. <laughs> now uh, tell thank us. You so much. No problem. Yeah, no, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, and thank you for the uh, introduction. Yeah, that covers a lot of my uh, a lot of my improv interests. And I, I say improv interests because uh, improv has opened doors into other interests outside of performance uh, that I'm very thankful for as well. Cool. Well, why don't we start there? Tell me more. What type of doors were open? What? Let's uh, walk people through those doorways. <laughs> uh, sure. So it, uh, improv has been my full-time career probably for the last, uh, for about the last 10 years. I've been doing improv in totality about 30 years. Oh, uh, no. But in the last uh, decade or so, uh, my career started to shift uh, not only into working with uh, people with uh cognitive different cognitive uh, disabilities like uh, dementia and alzheimer's but it's also mm-hmm. moved me into into a lot of leadership development as well uh mm-hmm. so i uh, one of the additional careers that have opened up for me has been workplace mediation uh, so helping conflict in the workplace uh and leadership training and also uh, i'm also now a crossfit coach uh, and part of that became out of yes ending just life in general uh, but also i've i've learned a lot of in the process of focusing on physical fitness, I've also started to understand improvisation as a form of mental fitness. 
Ooh, yeah. I was totally going to take you there if you didn't get us there quick uh, at some point or quick enough, because I did see that you're also into CrossFit, which I have tried twice and I, it's not my jam. I do like to work out, but I tried it a couple times several years ago. I signed up to do a Spartan race. I don't know if you've ever done one of those, but so of course my friends were like, oh, you should do CrossFit and stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, how do people do? This is like so intense. So I would love to know more about like, what was your introduction into that? Were you seeking that out? Did you have a friend that drew you in? Like wh what drew you into CrossFit first of all? And we'll kind of start connecting some other dots. <laughs> sure. Uh, so when I was still in Boston, it was, I used to drive by CrossFit Gen all, all the time. And I was, I used to work on my own. I, I had an app that I would use and I would go to Planet Fitness and work out and it was working pretty well for me, but I was intrigued by this concept of CrossFit. Then once I moved to Sarasota, I was a runner. I was running every morning. I would mm. somewhere between five to 10 K every morning. And I would always uh, uh, run by a CrossFit gym and it would always be right there. And and then suddenly, it's, uh, so finally one day I'm like, you know what? I just have to go check this place out. I walk in, they invited me to do a class. I started out like twice a week, then three times a week. And then I got hooked. And uh, I, I think the reason why, uh, and I think this really can speak to a, to a, an improviser, is that there's uh, at least the, the gym that I go to still, uh, there's a community aspect to it, right? It's like you're very much, you are working together to complete this task. In this mm. case, this task is a task of fitness. Uh, and uh, that idea of working together as a community and supporting each other really, kept, it's what got me in and it's what's kept me there. Mm. Okay. So how long did you say you've been doing it now? Uh, it's did about, it's going to be about nine years soon. Nine years. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That is amazing. Okay. And so then you also started tethering together, like the mental fitness uh, along with like, you know, having physical fitness. So what are some of these parallels that you experience or that you witness when you work with other people about how to stay mentally fit or how to even start down that path? I don't know if that's a better place to start is how do, how do we bring awareness to having mental fitness? So my language in, in teaching improv has changed since I started to do, uh, since I started to do CrossFit. And, and what I'll sometimes tell folks is, uh, you know, when you go to the gym for the first time in a long time, you know, you go in and you just work on some equipment, you do some exercises, how are you going to feel the next day? And most of the time, if not everybody will say, but a majority of people will say sore. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, then we sort of uh, we unpack that. I'm like, you know, you're probably feeling sore because these are muscles that you have not used in a while, if ever. Uh, so when we're about, what we're about to do in this improv workshop is we're going to work out muscles that you have not used in a while or ever. Right. And so it might feel a little uncomfortable at first. Right. You might it, it, you might not uh, as you do it, you might want to retreat from it before you continue to do it very much like you're working out uh, for the first time in a long time. And those muscles though, in improvisation, what we're working on is listening or support or uh, uh, making eye contact or using your body, doing body language or using your, your vocal instrument in different ways. And especially with beginners, there's a little bit of like, I'll take a quick risk and then I'll step back. And then maybe mm. next time I'll go a little bit further, et cetera. And then, uh, and, and it's very much like when I'm training a new CrossFit student, it's like, let's start really easy. Sometimes I'll just say, let's start with no weight, just get used to the movement. And for me, that's very much like when I'm starting with a beginner improviser, it's, we're not going to do scenes right away. We're not going to do huge characters or funny punchlines or anything like that right away. 
I just want you to get used to going through these motions. I want you to get mm. used to being on stage, making eye contact with somebody, having a non-comedic conversation that you're making up on the spot. Let's get used to that. And then we're going to start to build off of that. And then eventually you'll be able to do improv Spartan races. <laughs> nice. I love it. So you mentioned that you're like a lot of your um, workplace training or I'm maybe maybe I'm projecting that that it's a lot. But with the um, the focus, though, on conflict management or conflict resolution, is that specifically what people are looking to bring you in for? Because there is some of that intensity already happening or, or the mediation. That's the word I was like, I know there was a word in there that I wanted to follow up on. Um, or is a lot of this preventative or, or is it both? What are you finding with your clients in the workplace of like, when do we get a step in? How much of this is preventative and how much of this is like red alert? We need help. <laughs> I, you know, I, I get, I get three types. Uh, I get one that is uh, there's preventative. There's one that is, it is red alert. And then there's another that is, it's even past the red alert. It's like, we have a toxic culture that's been, that somehow is hooked into the office and mm. we need help addressing it. I've been hired mm. to do all three. Uh, on the preventative, it might be somebody, they, they know that a team is not gelling or two new teams have been merged together uh, and they want to get ahead of any possible uh, uh, ego, ego conflicts, personality conflicts, mm. uh, right, new distribution of roles. And they just want me to get in there to help them through some team building. Uh, and we, you know, you and I and other improvisers know how helpful improv can be in building teams. And so yeah. that's preventative. Uh, and sometimes when we get into that red alert space, there's mm -hmm. been an issue. Uh, there's been a, there's been a conflict and they want me to come in and address that. And I'll, and that's a little bit more, I, I, I asked whoever the HR manager is or, you know, whoever the, the, the manager that, that, that hired me is, and I'll ask them, what are the symptoms? what is happening okay we have one person who's been uh who's been getting in the way of a lot of people making people feel nervous we have some people that uh, are feeling nervous to speak their own minds etc i'll get those symptoms mm -hmm. i'll come up with it with a workshop that'll help address that then the other time then there's a, when when it's already past the point uh, uh, uh i'm not gonna say but past like the uh, repairing point but it's the the hooks are in and i have to come in and be Honestly, that becomes a little bit more, a little bit less of improv workshops and me more as a mediator to have to unhook oh, yeah. things uh, to kind of fix that culture. Interesting. And is that like a one-time session or do you end up going in and working with people through like an extended series of experiences? I don't yeah, know. It, it really depends on, on how serious the problem is. Um, most of the time, it'll be a one-time session. It'll just vary in length. Uh, okay. So it might, it might be, you know, coming in for an hour uh, or coming in for four hours. Uh, and so yeah. there are some sessions where I need to separate people out individually, uh, kind of mm. work with them individually, and then start bringing people together. And though that, that, could, that could end up being a couple of days. Oh, wow. The reason why I want to kind of like keep pulling a little uh, more of that just to give some food for thought, especially when listeners are out there, like we all have times where we've experienced conflict or we're not being heard or maybe we're the ones not listening and maybe we don't actually even notice it. And I, I feel like it's so important for me to share these principles and bring people such as yourself on to expand what people realize the capacity is when you are in like a yes and space. Like the things that we learn as improvisers, I think 
heighten our sensitivity and awareness to how people are interacting and how they're showing up. And the tools are so much more than just like an icebreaker that's really fun and we're going to come in and we're going to laugh. And there's a, such a, a depth to what makes us tick. Like how can we get past these hard things and improv creates a safe space for very transformational dynamics. Even if you're not necessarily using like, okay, now we're going to use this improv game, you know, to duke it out or whatever. I mean, am I on the right train of thought here thinking this or am I way out in crazy land? You're absolutely right. I mean, I, and I'll say that I didn't seek out to be a conflict mediator. I was brought in. Yeah. I used to go, I used to go to a conflict mediation conference once a year, and I was brought in as basically the icebreaker guy at the beginning of the conference. Like I would yeah. come in for an hour run a workshop with you know the two hundred uh, attendees of this conference, and then one day the the, the dean of this uh, of the university that runs this thing was like, "Hey, a lot of the things you're hitting in your workshop speak directly to what it means to be a conflict mediator." Because I was talking about reading body language, about having emotional empathy, about uh -huh. using humor. Right to kind of warm up the space and start to create that safe space and let, let people open up, uh, and I, so I, and I I wasn't even thinking about workplace mediation. I was just doing an improv icebreaker yeah. workshop, and uh, but he saw he connected those dots, and then eventually that got me. That that's how I started to move into into workplace mediation, and and it's a lot of the same. A lot of what we do in improv, like again, reading body language. Well, what is the person? What, what are they saying with their face and their body? Now that normally mm -hmm. that would be, you would use that to start a scene, right? They're expressing status or they're expressing emotion to start a scene. But in this case, it's a workplace and thousands, if not millions of dollars are at stake, right? And, right. and so we got we to gotta unpack it a little differently. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's so incredible. I, I just... I love it because I know how transformational, transform, let me say it like a robot, how transformational uh, it is for me and um, and how much it does help me in, in my most challenging moments. So thank you for sharing that. And um, kind of in that space too, like, so as people start equipping themselves with these types of tools, um, I think it helps possibly, I don't want to maybe bridge immediately to it, but I, I am super curious about like how and when you started doing the stuff in the, um, with the Alzheimer's groups and the dementia, what's the correct word, way of saying it that you said at the beginning, cognitive. Right. Cognitive, like a uh, disability or cognitive. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was yeah. that something that just sort of came up or did you seek that out as like, Hey, wait, this is super helpful. Like how, how did this enter your space? So I'll I'll uh, begin by saying that uh, you know after doing improv for a number of years, I really do feel the only way I could express it is that it starts to change your DNA. And I think I started to go into like my business mindset became a, a yes and, or I should I should say yes and the yes and mindset became my business mindset. And whenever anyone brought a problem to me or an opportunity to me, I would immediately explore it. I would I would immediately immediately yes and what they were what they were bringing to me. So about mm -hmm. uh, 20 years ago now, I had a student, uh, she was in the School of Theology at Harvard, uh, and she was one of my students, and we were just, she was just working her way through our program, and then at about like level two, out of a six level program, started to share that her mother was uh, starting to suffer from dementia. Uh, and mm -hmm. then a couple levels later, uh, she shared a story of her going to visit her mother, and that the caretakers, although they meant well, were not able to yes and, essentially yes and where her mother 
was at during specific episodes, specific Alzheimer's episodes, where mm. suddenly, like, if her mother suddenly went back 30, 40 years, um, the, the caretakers would would not be able to go back there with her. Instead, they would try to correct her, right, but try mm-hmm. to bring her back to the present. And when you see somebody that is excited to see their husband for the first, for again, because they're about to go on a date, and then you tell them, actually, your husband died 20 years ago. What are you talking about? Oof. That person, the patient's going to relive that emotion as, as in the same way they did 20 years ago, right? Mm. And so what my student said is like, is there, there must be a way to yes and that because the episodes are not going to last too long. You know, it'll mm-hmm. be done after 10 minutes or so. But for those 10 minutes, we could yes and their story until until they, they come back to the present. And mm-hmm. so that's where it started was we started with caretakers and helping them understand the power of yes and in, in helping their patients. Uh, oh, eventually, it grew beyond that. And now what I do, most of my work is working with uh, the patients themselves, with uh, anyone who might uh, w- be showing symptoms or where Alzheimer's or dementia runs in their family. Oh, wow. That is so incredible. Um, and, and it went a different direction than I was expecting. I was, I, I, I am, I'm picturing these being really helpful tools. Um, you know, just for me being able to interact, like if I had a family member that's affected, which I think is the case as well. Um, or maybe like, using improv as a preventative tool to help maintain our mental agility. I don't know if it has any documented scientific benefits to help prevent us from having mental deterioration as we get older. Um, that's kind of just where my brain is going. And um, I feel like that's amazing. So like, as people are implementing this, what kind of feedback are you getting from caretakers and from the family dynamics? Like what, mm-hmm what's unfolding for the positive use of this? So uh, first of all, uh, just to go back to uh, one of your, something that you were, you were speculating, you're absolutely right that Mm -hmm. there are, there we're now far enough in this, that there is documentation to show the positive effects of specifically improvisational training for patients, uh, keeping uh, the mind active. uh, And Mm -hmm. it's an extension of what we all, you before, whether it was crossword puzzles or Sudoku or anything like that, where your brain uh, working uh, like a muscle, uh, keeping it working in that way helps to develop neural pathways that in the future will help you, especially once, uh, if you you start to suffer uh, from any sort of cognitive disability. It's further reinforced. There's been other studies that show that not only doing work, uh, mental work, but also doing mental with physical work uh, Mm -hmm. firms the connections even more it makes them even stronger and so you look at what we're doing with, with improvisation even a game like red ball red ball oh, is yeah. both a physical and a mental game you're both of these things are working at the same time right and so it's firming up those pathways that much more and it's doing it in a fun way right and I'm, i'll get i'll get i'll circle back to the fun thing because i think that's that's important as well uh <laughs> and um, i um uh, and so the, the response has been very positive. Uh, the caretakers yeah. have been very positive. Every organization that I, I've worked with has been, uh, has, has, uh, it's been very positive. And I'm at a point now uh, here in, in Sarasota where I live, which has a large retired community. Um, mm-hmm. I now have about seven active residencies in different retirement centers and assisted living facilities and memory care centers where I come in once a week, twice a month, 
month, et cetera, so that, uh, to work with different communities in this way. Uh, you know, I had the, uh, today, in fact, a couple of hours ago, I had, I had a class and I had the, the benefit of bringing my parents with me. Now, my parents only know me as like an improv show guy. They've never seen, mm-hmm. seen me do my work outside in the community. And like, they loved it. I mean, they were really moved by what I was doing and, and they and they got to see the benefits of the work that I do. Oh, that's so cool. I don't know if my parents have any idea what I do. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, they actually, my mom did come to a workshop years ago. My stepdad has not, but um, the, they have been to shows and stuff. And I think it is like a little mm-hmm. jarring and, and I do other things besides, well, you know, like you have a couple of different things that you juggle, right? And yeah. sometimes I'm teaching public speaking and sometimes I'm teaching leadership workshops with improv and it's all the same general mechanics. Right. They're just a little bit different, uh, deliverable. And so my mom's always like, I don't know how to explain exactly <laughs> what you do, but something to do with improv and yes. And that's, right. that's good enough. Um, I love it. Okay. So there was something in there in, and you know, in some of my notes from, uh, learning a little bit about you, you gave one very nice nugget, a very simple little piece of advice that you would give people who are just starting out. And it was for people to be kind to themselves. Do you remember writing that? I do. Yeah. I'm like, I've sometimes I've been on these show notes and people are like, Oh, I wrote that. I'm like, okay, how long ago did we get these? <laughs> so, so tell me, like, I, I love hearing that. And I want to know what, what, why do you want to tell that to people? And what was like a moment where you had to learn to do this for yourself? Sure. Uh, so I'm going to hit this from two ends. Like one is the uh, beginner side of it. I, I love when I see a student succeed and have a good time in one of the classes or in a student show, and they live off of that high. I think that's, that's a very, that, that's why, that's one of the reasons why I continue to do this. I, I get a lot of satisfaction as a teacher of that. Uh, and uh, however, I also get very sad when I see a student, you know, uh, like for example, from one week to another class, when they tell me, you know, I wasn't able to sleep last week after class because I couldn't stop thinking about this one choice I made in the scene, right? And I have to often, mm-hmm. often remind them that, you know, that the scene that they did, it's never going to be done again. Like that one scene is never going to be done again. So don't, don't dwell on it too, too long. Get an understanding of what went wrong, right? And then mm-hmm. remember all the things that went well. S- continue to celebrate those and move on. Process mm-hmm. it a little bit. Don't, don't don't sit on it. Like don't hold it for that long, right? Uh, or else it's going to start to uh, uh, it, it, it'll start to discourage you to uh, to to uh, and you'll you'll start it'll start to discourage you and you'll lose the joy that you were getting before. On the on the mm-hmm. further on the back end with with a uh, or on, I should say on the more experienced end. Uh, I want people, I, I encourage people to treat themselves, uh, treat them, just treat themselves to things that they like to do. Improv, mm-hmm. I love improv. I mean, I've been out doing it for 30 years, uh, but it's not everything and it doesn't need to be everything. It's mm-hmm. okay to take to take care of yourself in other ways, right? Mm-hmm. Go find, if you enjoy, uh, we were just talking about this before before we started. If you enjoy a good meal, treat yourself to that nice meal, right? If you mm-hmm. like, if you want to go see a movie, go see a movie. If you want to travel somewhere, go to that place. If you want to hang out with a non-improviser friend, go hang out with that non-improviser <laughs> friend. It's okay. Like, t- treat yourself and be nice to yourself and don't 
uh, uh, don't beat yourself up when some not if something doesn't fit into that improv circle all the time. Mm, those are wise words. It took me a little while to learn that. I was definitely in the depths for a while. And then I was like, oh, there's other things to enjoy. And who yeah. knew? I found paddleboarding and I love it. <laughs> you know, in many ways, to go back to like we were talking about at the beginning, like uh, CrossFit became like my new improv. It became my, oh, I often yeah. like, find your meditation, right? And it, it doesn't need to be meditation. It could be something else that just puts yeah. you in the moment. And improv used to be that thing until, you know, now I run a community, I run a, I run a theater, I, mm. you know, direct the different shows. It, it's no longer that thing for me, but CrossFit has become that thing that just, it's my meditation space. I get into this space and then I, I, I come out of it. Uh, but I, but for that one hour, I've been very present in whatever it is, but it could be paddle boarding. Yeah. It could be knitting, it could be kite flying, whatever it is, find that meditation. Absolutely. Yeah. And I didn't, I wondered if I'd ever find something because I do feel like I try a lot of different things and like, I haven't really felt like I have a thing. Um, so I have a few that I kind of rotate through, but there's not many things that I've experienced that I can really stop thinking about other things unless they are just the right level of serenity or challenge. Cause the other, the other thing I do is pull, I started doing pull pole dancing a few years ago. Oh. Cause I had really bad I had really bad like self-image, body image issues, all these different things. And uh, this is just such a random tangent other than I guess it goes to prove your point of like, mm -hmm. I didn't really know what to expect. And I thought I, I had this one idea of what it was going to do for me, it, for me personally. And then I found this community of like just a really far more diverse group of people than I would have ever guessed. And just so much welcomeness and laughing and like, you know, laughing with and at each other because we're like trying very difficult things. Like it's a, ta a challenging sport. And yeah. anyway, between that and paddleboarding, those are like pretty much the only things where I genuinely, like my brain goes somewhere else and it is only focusing on, this like i have to focus otherwise you know whatever i'll crash and my, bonk my head on the ground but you're anyway. exactly right yeah yeah so it's yeah, important I mean, okay, like in CrossFit, if i'm not in the moment i'm gonna hurt myself Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah and the difference it makes too, like with your, when you're, when you're doing something with that kind of physicality too, which I do enjoy going to the gym when I go see my trainer, cause I'm too overwhelmed to go and not have someone <laughs> tell me things. But even yeah. if you have like that minor tweak of like, you're doing a certain move or whatever, or like, and, and if you're not quite right and then making, Oh, just tuck, tuck yourself this way or you know like i'm not saying anything like the official way that i'm supposed to she's like chin back or shoulders or whatever or, or remember to breathe like some of those basic things yeah. and then you feel oh well now it's working the right muscle because i'm putting the attention on the right thing and yeah anyway i digress but um so you have a new project also that is coming up or is it already happening the premise is this yeah. already it, it, it's happening it, it, in progress uh, right now, I'm working with a, a, a theater in Iowa to get uh, to get it started. And it's basically what I'm, uh, thanks to a friend who really helped codify it for me. Uh, it's what I did in Boston, what it's what I've done in Sarasota, and what I want to start advising other theaters to do. So the premise, uh, I'm going to backtrack, the, the, or I'm going to go uh, a little bit more high level on the word. Uh, looking at at an improv scene, you can't start an improv scene without a premise. 
And mm. now let's take a different take on the word scene. We use the word scene to also describe a community, like the scene, right? What's the yeah. scene? Uh, what's the improv scene like, right? And so there's a lot of amazing cities and communities around the country that have zero improv. And what I want to be able to do is identify partners in those different cities and help them create an improv scene. Uh, and so mm -hmm. the idea behind premise is that I will come in and help you understand based on the, your space, based on your, your human resources, what can we create together and, and how much of it? Like, do we want to just create classes? Do we want to create a weekly show? Do we want mm. to create uh, multiple shows and multiple classes? Do we want to do outreach opportunities? I've now, at this point, I've had 25 years of, of professional experience building out two different communities uh, and also advising various other communities around the world. And I now want to uh, do this uh, more hands-on and, uh, uh, and, and, and also offer a variety of different options now that I'm able to do either comedy or you know cognitive function uh, and well-being, uh, et cetera. And uh, a, a lot of it came from the fact that uh, my, my family and I, we do a lot of road trips around the country and I've just come across these gems of these cities uh, one of my favorite ones recently was Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Oh, like what a beautiful little town. Uh, and I'm like, this town needs like an improv show or an improv troupe, right? And so, so stuff like that, that I want to, I really want to get into. Oh, I love it. How do you find, or how can people find you or how are you finding them? How do we, can you call up the city, the city council people and say, Hey, who do you, who do you got? Like, what's a, what's the strategy on being able to make those connections? What would be your best case scenario? How can we support? So uh, what I'm looking for right now and what I've been, I've started to do is identify right now. I'm starting by just looking for theater partners because most theaters do have some space inventory, right? They have okay. nights that are dark or afternoons that are open. And, and most of the theaters that I've been talking to, they're like, they're looking for ways to fill this space up. And when I say fill it up, they're trying to make money off of what is essentially an empty room, right? That, that's not generating any income at that point. So yeah. what, I'm, what I'm looking for are like theaters that are looking for that opportunity. They're like, how could I fill up this space with something? I could help okay. you fill it up with classes or, 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 or shows are pretty easy to turn around. Okay. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm like picturing it from the business plan side of things. That's very, very cool. And I totally agree that not only is it such a wonderful, fun, lighthearted uh, performance style to watch and, and to build community within those individual communities, uh, but really you could have that opportunity then to be sustainable with that. Like, I mean, you could tell people right from the stage that are like, Hey, you guys want to be doing this and, and actually be become part of like a, a homegrown troop. Right. And and it's a, mm -hmm. and like every community has different needs. Like there might be one yeah. community that is looking for just that they want an outlet. They want a comedic outlet. They don't have an improv troupe. So let's let's focus on that. Or yeah. you have a lot of youth that are looking for something to do. So let's create some youth programming and shows for them. Or you have a retired community and you're looking mm -hmm. for some way to engage them. Here's this. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love how much you are using your energy and insights to create something that really gives back and, and shows other people how to be part of the reciprocity of, of giving and giving and receiving in all these yummy ways. It's so wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And that's where I feel like yeah, uh, improv and yes, and is definitely it's entered my DNA at this point and it's how I see yeah. the world. Uh, and 
uh, you know, I, I really want to give uh, give the gift of of creativity through improvisation to the communities that I work with. I love it. Thank you so much, Will, for taking time to join me on the podcast and talking about some of these different really cool and honestly, like just life changing applications. Like these are things that can make our jobs easier, our challenging relationships easier to navigate, like all of the things. And one of the things that I think about a lot when I'm teaching in the workplace is like, it's really easy for us to say yes when we want to, if it's something that we look forward to and that it's fun and that we agree with. And it's the game changer and so powerful when we use yes. And like, especially when things are challenging and it, it levels us up and helps us to be, I think, better individuals and better community members. Agreed. Agreed. And, I, and I'm, I'm glad you said, uh, you said that in, uh, in, in regards to challenging situations. I tell my students often that uh, yes and is a very powerful listening and, uh, to, and an important tool for giving and taking, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you agree with the other person. Yeah. But what it, what it does say is that you heard what they said. I heard you and, and I am acknowledging that, respecting that, and I'm giving it space. And now I'm going to share my point of view. Right. And my point of view might line up with yours and I might 100 percent agree or it might be a little bit off of it. And that's OK, because uh, mm -hmm. we're in that space. of Yes. And we're going to acknowledge what the other person is saying, look for those spaces of agreement. Right. And continue the dialogue from that space. I love it. Thank you for helping to create a safe space for the listeners out there that. I know that there's like just a really, the feedback that I get from my listeners is that they love the guests that I bring on that help them see things from a different perspective. It might be a topic that, um, you know, I, t I do have people on with about improv a lot, and yet I think it still continues to expand. And then on the other topics that I bring people on with like really sometimes challenging social issues or different perspectives that we may not uh, agree with religiously or politically or whatever the different things are without getting too hairy. I love the feedback of people saying, oh my gosh, I never thought of it that way. And when we create that safe space, it does allow us to hear more clearly without wanting to pounce with some sort of a negative response. So I really appreciate you uh, creating that safe space with us today um, and for sharing your insights and all of the all the goodness, the physical and the mental and everything in between. So we can all be as fit as possible. <laughs> Thank you, Megan. I, I really appreciate that. And I, I really enjoyed the uh, the conversation. Thanks so much for, for giving me uh, the opportunity to share with you. Awesome. I love it. And thank you listeners for tuning in again. Uh, keep dropping comments and messages when you um, have the insights and breakthroughs of your own. I always love hearing um, what takeaways people had and also requests for other uh, guests and topics and things you want to keep learning about. And if you want to learn about using these tools in the workplace, you can either contact my very fantastic guest, Will. We'll make sure we have his links in the show notes. And of course, you can always check us out at Improv Team Culture, uh, where Jeanette and I uh, do our version of these things. But trust me, folks, we need as many businesses, as many organizations as possible 
to get the power of yes and and other improv insights infused into the work culture to make it a better place for all of us to work and live. Uh, and of course, uh, if you have been tuning in recently, you've been hearing about the upcoming event that Improv Team Culture is putting on in Boise, Idaho on November 15th. It's Captivate Leadership Communication Summit, uh, where some amazing speakers and some interactive experiences will be taking place so that we can be better leaders individually and in the workplace. Uh, so check that out. And thanks again for tuning in. We will catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the I Hardly Know Her podcast. For information about leadership workshops, public speaker training, and all things kooky Megan, check out improvteamculture.com. We'll catch you next time.